Consider this, 100% of owners will leave their business one day, but few are prepared. Are you? Don't worry, you're in the right place with this podcast, Succession Stories. Host Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guides you from transition to transaction, from building value in your business to letting go. Lori is a business transition and M&A advisor, specializing in growth, acquisitions, and selling owner-led companies. She's also the author of the Business Transition Handbook. Get your copy and learn how to avoid succession pitfalls and create valuable exit options. Sign up for a business transition newsletter at successionstories.com. Show us the love by subscribing to the show and posting a review. We appreciate you. Now, here's this week's Succession Stories with Lori Barkman. Welcome back to the Succession Stories podcast. If you're not already, please give me a follow on Instagram at Lori Barkman. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a future episode. And if you listen to this podcast and enjoy it, do me a favor and leave me a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. It enables me to reach more people and help them along the way. I'm excited to share my interview with Rick Finesse. Rick advises CEOs and rising leaders as chair with Vistage, a global membership organization. He's like a CEO whisperer, creating space for leaders to address strategic questions from an organizational, personal, and business standpoint. Rick chairs Vistage groups in DC, Baltimore, and Annapolis, Maryland. In this conversation, we spoke about growth and self-awareness as a leader, taking a strategic view from the balcony, and why strategic transition planning done well includes the emotional and personal side, not just the practical stuff. One of my favorite quotes from the episode is, not doing strategic transition planning is as dangerous as not doing strategic business planning. Love it. Enjoy this episode about not standing in the way of your business growth in transition with Rick Vanessa. Rick Vaness, it is so great to be with you. We met in person about a year ago, and I had the best time meeting you in your vestige group, which we will talk about. And I wanted to welcome you to Succession Stories. So I'm glad you're here. Well, thank you, Lori. It's wonderful to meet you. And and I, you know, I want to say that you had a big impact on both of my groups. And uh, I know you're working with a number of folks, and it's really important work that you're doing. So I want to thank you. Oh, thanks so much. Let's start with you and Vistage. Our audience might sure. not know what Vistage is, and they might not know what a Vistage chair does. Sure. So sure. why don't you explain for us what Vistage is all about? Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to tell you the story. So Vistage is actually the oldest and largest CEO organization in the world. Started 65 years ago in Milwaukee by a fellow by the name of Bob Norse, who was a small business owner who made a decision that went the wrong direction. And uh, he decided to invite seven friends, fellow business owners to, to lunch to talk about what happened. And when he did, he realized that, you know, I, he appreciated their feedback and recommendations, but it was the questions they asked him about his issue. And he said, boy, if we had had this conversation four or five months ago, I wouldn't have made the decision I did and I probably wouldn't be facing bankruptcy. He said, "I'll oh, thank you. I'll pick up the tab." And one of his one of his uh, colleagues said, "Wait a minute! I want my turn in the barrel." So they said, "Well, let's get together next next month, same time, same place, 
and you talk about your issue. And that's Vistage. So here, so here we are 65 years later, 45,000 members worldwide, now in 35 countries, doing that same thing every month, meeting for a full day a month. And I also meet one-on-one -on -one with each of my CEOs for about 90 minutes doing executive coaching, business advising kind of work as well. So it's a great organization and a lot of fun, frankly. It's an amazing organization. I've had the privilege of speaking to over 20 groups over the last couple of years. Each group is unique, but one of the things that I find in common is these are continuous learners. People yeah. who are in Vistage, CEOs or the second in command type of folks, COOs or the others in the executive team from a developmental standpoint, they have a built-in advisory group and isn't it special that you can get out of your head, right? It's a lot of CEOs. I know when I was a CEO, I was in my head a lot. I didn't have anyone really talk to because you can't truly be transparent on all facets. And whether it's with your spouse or whether it's peer group, how do we find these people? How do we actually open up? And Visage gives a wonderful forum yeah. for that. Yeah, it really, it really does. I think you said it well. And all of us, they, they refer to us as chairs. So all of us Vistage chairs work very hard to create a safe space, a place where people can be vulnerable. That's why we have no competitors in, in the same group. And it's so that people can come in and talk about what's really going on. Sometimes it's personal issues. And as we all know, what's happening at, at home, we bring to work and vice versa. And it's the kind of conversations that sometimes you can't have even with family members um you know i'm thinking about succession i'm not sure my son or daughter is ready for the job and here's what i see going on what thoughts do you have so it's it's those kinds of very confidential personal conversations about owning and running a business that you're with 12 to 15 other small business owner ceos and and hearing their insight because they're living it too they're so, living it too yeah yeah it's a shared experience and it really a way is. to get input so what is something special that you try to do with the vistage groups when it comes to helping them think about growth yeah how do you get ceos to focus forward on some of these core themes around growth yeah. I think growth is is the key word for what we do in our group. And it really starts with business growth. And so each chair has certain criteria we're looking for for members in our in our member selection process. And one of mine is business growth. And and there's several reasons for it. One is it's it's it is a common theme for all of my members. I'm, I'm looking to grow, even nonprofits. Nonprofits are looking to grow just as much as a for-profit business. So growth of the business is is really core, and that that leads to the second type of growth that most of my CEOs face, and that is organizational growth. And so as a business moves from a $3 million to a $30 million to a $300 million business, the role of the CEO changes dramatically. And if you've not done it before, you may not be aware of how that role needs to change, the role that you are in as CEO. And so a lot of what we talk about are ways in which you grow your business, what markets you might explore, 
what acquisitions you might explore. Do you have the right key people around you? And so that leads to organizational growth, which is you as a CEO and the people that report directly to you. So, you know, at what stage do you move from a an accountant to a controller to a chief financial officer who who's providing you strategic advice? And that clearly has to happen. The third area of growth is personal growth. And so with those two things come the realization that, oh my gosh, I'm getting my own way. Why is that? Why, why am I standing in my own way? Why am I having a hard time letting go of the day-to-day -day work? We call it working in the business and moving more of my time to working on the business. And so that's a very common theme for all of our folks is this shift from working in the business to finding the time to be working on the business. And what I see is it's really growth that's underneath all of that. Uh, those CEOs who can make the shift, who can see the business opportunity, who recognize the organizational opportunities, and it's tough. You know, you have to maybe take your own pay cut in order to hire someone that you know can help grow your business. And then, and then that personal growth element. So it's, it's, a, it's a real combination of growth and, and learning to work on the business. Yeah, let's unpack this a little bit. I wanna rewind yeah. to the CEO recognizing that maybe they are standing in the way of the company's success. Right. That's a really difficult crossroads, don't you don't you see from your experience? Absolutely. And so let me share with you, Lori, a little bit about that personal growth side of things. Um, because um with every member, I'm meeting for 90 minutes a month. Um, and what we're exploring is the business issues and opportunities. And then what does that mean? What are the implications for them as a leader? So we're looking at their personal leadership. And there's a there's an analogy I use with all my folks. Uh, a fellow uh, by the name of Ron Heifetz uh, wrote a great article called Getting on the Balcony. And so when folks ask me, what's this one-to-one -one thing, Rick? What's this all about? The analogy I use, it's about you and I together going from the dance floor to the balcony to have a conversation as the two of us watch you dance on the floor. And sometimes we have to go to the second balcony. And when we go to the second balcony, we're looking at not just you dancing as a CEO owner, but we're looking at the people around you and how you're interacting with them. And occasionally we go to the third balcony. And at that point, you see the entire ballroom, the whole ecosystem, the whole market. And at that stage, you're really looking at patterns and you're able to see things and you're observing things that when you're only focused on your feet down on the floor, you're just not going to see. Why do I use that analogy? Several reasons. One is it's gaining that perspective of working on the business. So that's clearly part of that analogy. But the other core part of that analogy is having that conversation as we're watching the CEO dance, having a conversation as we're watching the CEO's behavior. And that's really where we form our self-awareness. And so self-awareness is a really critical tool for people to have to understand how they are leading or not in their business. 
And so what I have found is some people, self-awareness is real easy. I don't, uh, maybe, you know, where they got it, I don't know. But they very quickly understand how they are behaving and what they are saying all of the time in the moment and can respond and adjust accordingly. Other folks, it's just the opposite. And so a lot of my one-on-one -on -one work is really working with people to build that self-awareness so that they can see how, my gosh, you know, every time there's an issue with a client, guess who jumps in to save the day? Me. And sometimes it takes a while for them to even see that they're doing that, as opposed to saying, you know what, I need a really top-notch client liaison who's going to take care of those problems. In other words, get to the balcony, start working on the business. So it's that kind of a developmental stage of self-awareness that ties into your behavior as to whether you're working on the business or in the business. This episode is sponsored by the best-selling book, The Business Transition Handbook, How to Avoid Succession Pitfalls and Create Valuable Exit Options. Business owners will learn how to navigate the emotional and practical nature of the transition process to avoid exit regrets. It's crucial to start planning when time is on your side so you don't leave money or your happiness on the table. Reading this book, you'll have Lori Barkman, the business transition Sherpa, guiding you along the way. To download a free copy, head to thebusinesstransitionhandbook.com that's the business transition handbook.com today. Yeah, I like that analogy of the balcony a lot. I think that's a really good visual. And it also is interesting to think about what's holding us back. Yes. Do you have any CEO examples or folks in Vistage that have been holding themselves back and then there was a transformation that you witnessed? Yes. Yeah, I've got several actually. So one was very similar to what I was describing, where we had a CEO. And when you're when you're a small company, you know, when you're in that 10 million, 15 million dollar range, you are working 80 hour weeks. You are very much in the business. You cherish the few hours or one or two days a month that you're able to work on the business. But what what this individual was doing is as as issues came up, they found themselves on the client floor, answering all the questions, solving the problems for the clients, giving direction to their employees. We talked a lot about that. They agreed. Yes, that is the behavior. How do I change that? Let's get a really good COO in a good number two who's going to relieve you of that kind of day-to-day -day responsibilities. It never happened. Either they were not empowered or they just found it very frustrating when they came into that environment. And so they were never able to pull it off. And this went on for two or three rounds. And guess what? The business didn't grow. They were unable to grow the business if the CEO has to decide everything and do everything. So that's kind of a classic case that I've I've seen multiple times. I've got other examples where people have become very aware of, of their behavior and um, were able to lead very differently their, their senior team and, um, uh, and, and, and let go. And, and probably one of the hardest things 
is when you let go to someone who you know, you've gotten to know, who you trust, who brings a lot to the party, but they're going to do it differently than you would. And that's the first test. The test comes when that number two or that head of business development approaches the contract conversation differently than you would. And so, you know, a lot of my time is helping that CEO to just stay back, <laughs> bite your tongue, you know, and, and, and how do we all learn? We learn by either succeeding or failing. And, um, and so you gotta, you gotta let that person, you gotta let that person um, have some space and give it a try. And lo and behold, Many of them found they did it better than I would have. And that's what you want to do. You want to fire, go hire people who are better than you in their particular area and, 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 and trust them to do the work. Trust them to do the work. Absolutely. When I came into your groups and did a workshop, the workshop was about strategic growth and what makes your business more valuable, transferable, and attractive to a potential buyer and we we had a good three-hour session this is we got to a good level of depth and covered a lot of ground i want to talk about that workshop i want to talk about the transition content as it relates to what we were just saying about growth yes because one of the main messages that i know i communicated and i'm sure you do as well is that a owner dependent business is not very transferable and will have less value and all the hard work that they've been doing all these years they won't see a reward for for that so let, let's talk about transition let's okay. talk about this idea of how can a ceo or a business owner think about growth in the standpoint of enabling the organization to thrive without them and position them for the future Yes. Well, I think the light bulb for me went off in your workshop, uh, Lori. Um, and, and what I've seen, and, and I, we actually discuss, we discuss in our group meetings, and I discuss it in my one-on-ones with my CEOs, is that just the notion of transitioning um, is, provides a framework that forces the CEO and if they're a business owner, just even more so, it forces them into the third balcony, maybe the fourth balcony. All of a sudden, they're having to step back, not just about the business, but life. And they're, and they're looking at this very, from a very holistic perspective. What do I want to do? Where do I want to go? And so what I have found is that the transition discussion and putting together a strategic transition plan, just like they have a strategic business plan, um, creates a conversation with my CEOs that is helping them to go to the balcony, helping them to work on the business and, and, and get out of the business a little bit. And when they start doing that, they start asking questions like, well, what is the succession? Um, what do I want to do? Do I, do I want to continue to own it, but really not come into work every day? Or do I want to hand it to a family member? Or do I want to create an ESOP? Or do I want, have I identified two or three of my people who I want to succeed? Or do I want to sell the business? So all of those are options and understanding how those business decisions 
uh, interrelate with your personal desires uh, for the, the future in your life and your values uh, is a really important conversation. And here's the good news. The more we can have transition conversations, the more they're getting out of the day-to-day. -day, and guess what happens? The business can grow because other people are being empowered and other people are taking on the responsibility and you're thinking about the successor and you're going out and hiring that really good one that you might have not spent that extra $50,000 a year for um, and the business grows. So the irony is transition strategic thinking and planning helps you to grow the business because it's forcing you to be thinking at at a much higher level and a much more strategic level than perhaps you were thinking. Yeah, and what I loved also about your groups is that there were people who were ready to roll up their sleeves and say, I'm going to take action. They learned something, at, you know, looking at people's feedback from the workshops. It's yeah. clear everybody learned something, but not everybody takes action. One of the statistics you might recall, as I shared with everyone, is we are 42% more likely to achieve our goals if we write them down. Oh, And God. so who took the baton forward? A couple of folks, we won't mention them by name, we'll protect the innocent here, but just to recognize them and give them a little shout out, I think we could just share these as case study examples of Absolutely. how can people move forward and not just hear my podcast and not just read my book and not just talk to other CEOs, but how do we actually do something? One of your Vistage members is an absolute, what I would call mountain climber. He yeah. is all about growth. He is all in yeah. age-wise. He's in his forties and life stage-wise, business-wise, the business has been around, I think five, six years. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. So he's a go-go, right? He's all about learning, loves to learn, loves to think about how what he's learning can be applied to his business. And he and I are focused on not just growth, but growth that's going to drive enterprise value. And right. I think the key thing for some owners is that not every dollar of revenue or dollar of profit is worth the same. That's right. An example would be project revenue versus recurring revenue. That's probably the most impactful change right. we could make in our business. And that's a big thing that he and I are starting to, to really work on and shape for what they have as a service business, not a product business, but how can we productize our service? How can we create a recurring revenue model? And we're at the very, very front end of these conversations, but I know his wheels are turning and these, these concepts about creating enterprise value, people say, oh, well, I'm not ready to sell my business, so I'm not going to work on transition planning. Well, listen to this example where here's this guy, he's clearly not ready to sell his company. He's in growth mode, but he knows it's all about what can we put in place now to build enterprise value for the future? Right. Right. Well, I think it's a great example of, um, of, of people stepping back, looking at the whole, uh, asking those personal life questions and understanding that the, those are important questions relative to your business and to begin exploring what could be. And as you said, start writing it down. And guess what? You can always change it. That's right. and, I, and I think 
it's it's once someone says, well, I, I know I don't want to sell my business, so I don't need to think about that. Well, the, the, the you, you just stop the train and all the learning has stopped, all the innovation has stopped and the and exploring options that you didn't even know existed has stopped. Whereas saying, yeah, you're right, Lori, we're all going to exit someday. And why not begin thinking about that from the very beginning and what that might mean and what the options are? And what that does is it just opens things up in terms of how you choose to run your business, who you choose to bring in and put around you. And 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 that's really the key. And, and if you're able to bring people around you that can really run the better, maybe better than you can run the business. Um, now you have a different choice. You have new options. Maybe do I keep the ownership, but let the, these folks run it and then take my time and energy and the wealth that's being created and start this other business over here that is ready to roll. So I, I, I think to not do strategic transition planning is as frankly as dangerous as not doing strategic business planning. And like, I don't know what general, right? Patent, let's call general, but like they all say, you know, once in 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 the battle, um, you deal with the issues at hand, but you're going to go in far more prepared with far more options if you've thought through what what your what your plan would be. Um, so so I hope that reinforces what you're saying. Laura. Absolutely. And it's also reinforcing my book. If there's one yeah, point yeah. that's a commercial <laughs> for my book, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. Thank and you. one thing I want to mention about your book, um, Lori, and 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 that came out of the workshop is um uh and and uh, several of our folks really caught this. So a lot of the transition work that you discuss is about the business transition and it's about ownership and it's about succession. Um, but there's also the personal side to it. And I think um, uh, you touched that in the book and so many of the folks you know, that we have brought in and that we speak with, it's, you know, it's a, it's an investment banking perspective uh, which is beyond the financials, obviously, but rarely does it touch the personal side. And I know another one of my CEOs that you're working with, who has owned the business for 20 years, is looking at what do I do with the business? Could probably sell it to a vertical, could sell it to a private equity and get lots of money fairly quickly. Um, but that's just not who he is. That's not his heart and soul. And, and so he's begun to explore this personal journey of transition with you and his wife. And I just, you know, when, when I check in with him monthly and ask how things are going on, it's just such a, a, a powerful story for everyone else in the group to hear um, this linkage of, of who you are is a big part of not just how you run your business, but how you choose to own your business yeah. and what you choose to do with it. So um, I really appreciate the work that you bring on the personal side as well as the business side. Thank you. It's eye-opening for people when they start to talk about themselves. It's harder 
yeah. than talking about the business. Yeah. They're interrelated, of course. But when I work with a client and like the one you mentioned and he and his wife, and I think it's a wonderful example too, because she's not an owner. He's a hundred percent owner of the business. He bought right. out his partner, right. but she's an owner and a partner in the purest sense. Yeah, and absolutely. I just love that. I meet with both of them at the same time. They're both doing their homework. They're both reading the book. So I want to give them a shout out for the true partnership that they have as a, as a married couple. The exploration that owners have, not just with me, but with themselves, is it takes time. And yeah. I do this for a reason. I, you know, I say, look, this is a process because it can take, you know, eight, nine months, not just 30 days for a reason, because we talk about something and then they think about it and maybe they change their mind and then we come back to it and we reprioritize. As you said, we write it down, but we can make changes to it. Absolutely. You know, a plan can be flexible. And that's what this is all about. A lot of people, oh, I'm not going to do transition planning because I'm not ready. Well, transition planning is about getting ready so that whenever you right. have life coming at you, you are prepared. Right. And another piece of the personal side, I think that I didn't really talk about it in the workshop, but I do for sure talk about it with, the, with these clients, is the contingency planning. The yes. what if side of life that we really don't want to happen, but what if that happens? And then who will own your business after you becomes really the surviving spouse or some other mechanism if you create that. And so just like we want to prepare our business for this continuous growth and value, I'm encouraging my clients to think about the risks and how do we manage these risks in the business, but then there's these personal and economic risks with the business, especially if you're 100% owner. Yes. And it's a little uncomfortable, I got to say, but it's forcing people to, you know, here's a basic question, right? Who has check signing authority in your company? Right. Right? Great question. And, and if what the answer is you, <laughs> you're yeah, the only You're person. the only one. Something happens to you, then okay, yeah. now you're, you know, you're dealing with the courts and probate and all this stuff. And right. what a pain. So I don't want to bring the conversation down. <laughs> we'll elevate it back up to happier things. But I guess the point that I want to make with you, Rick, is I think that it is a holistic perspective, right? It isn't just one thing. And it isn't just one sitting to have one conversation and say, oh, I'm done. And that's the encouragement, not only in the book, but also you know, with our client work and the work you're doing with the groups to hold them accountable. I think that's the other big thing I really appreciate about Vistage is that because you're meeting once a month, not only one-on-one, -on -one, but as a group, you have a continuous opportunity to be checking in. And yes, we talked about it six months ago, but we're not forgetting that you committed, right? And I'm going to hold you accountable. I do that too with clients. That's the other you know, thing that I, that I can help with, of right. course. Right. And so let's not get them to stand in their way. Let's help them and encourage them. And I, and I think you're doing a great job of that. I'd like to just build off that, Lori. You know, one of the aspects and the kind of the magic of Vistage. If you look at um, Vistage groups over the last 65 years, um, the average member is, uh, uh, is it's seven years. And that includes the 20 or 30% who decide in the first year or two that it's not right for them. So typically, if, if you hit that three-year point, odds are this is part of who you are and part of your business and what the advantages of that are and 
people really become friends. They so it's not just it's not only holding each other accountable, but it's really getting to know one another and knowing that that other person is there, their perspective will be there and and to support each other through these changes, these evolutions. And, and as a member comes in and says, you know, I know I was talking to you last time about selling to private equity, but this time, you know, I'm really thinking twice about it. Here's my latest thoughts. What do you think? <clears throat> That's not only important feedback, <clears throat> excuse me, for that individual, but everyone around the table is learning from that. And, and so it's, it is seeing that that evolutionary change of those, both the business strategic plans as well as the uh, transition plans, it is seeing that and witnessing that and being a part of that over time that um, really makes the whole experience pretty unique and pretty powerful. I mean, you don't even get that on a on a on a corporate board, right? On a public board, no. It's all business, and you have terms, and you're in, and then you're out. This is. This goes deeper than that, and it's a it's a different kind of accountability um, than um, than what you see in a in a publicly held board. So it's it's exciting. That's exciting. Now I I appreciate that very much about about what you do and the, your leadership with Fistage. I want to shift into action. You know, I like having actionable ideas for the audience. They're listening to this and they're thinking, okay, what are some things that I should take away? What would you give as as three pieces of advice? One is to um, to very purposely set time aside to think about working on the business and what are those bigger strategic kinds of conversations, um, which definitely need to include transition, and. It's almost at the next level. So, you know, first you got to be thinking more strategically about the business. How do I grow it? Do I have the right people? How do I get the right people? How do I empower them? How do I get out of the way? And then the transition. Okay, what 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 is my long-term plan? What is my long-term agenda? So how do you do that? You need to start thinking about it. I, I ask all of my members, um, have you ever journaled? And... Um, most have at some point in their life. And so I encourage them. I said, start writing it down. You know, take 10 minutes in the morning, take 10 minutes at the end of the day, whenever you can find the time with some solitude and just put down on the left-hand side of the page, draw a line. Left-hand side's the what? The right-hand side's the so what or the why. And what oftentimes happens is the the what column becomes uh, shorter, and the so what column becomes longer. And what that what people are doing is they're reflecting, they're stepping back, they're thinking, and um, all of the strategic conversations we're talking about are you know huge parts of the are the so what. So so number one action: take the time, think about it, write it down, and. Um, and then I'd encourage you to share it with somebody. And so if you're part of a Vistage group, great. That's a great place to be sharing this. Other people will be expecting it and uh, looking forward to hearing that story. If not, hire Lori, bring Lori in. Um, and, um, and, and, and I think you can provide an enormous service for people to be, be doing that kind of 
thinking and, and reflection. Yeah, reflection, making the time, working on the business and not just in the business is a great message. Yeah. Rick, is there a quote that you would like to share? I ask everyone if they have a favorite quote. I actually do. And uh, you're going to smile because it's yours. Um, <laughs> okay. I'll never forget uh, when you came into the meeting and the first slide you put up, at least that's how I remember it, um, is uh, a wonderful question. And, and your challenge to the group uh, was that uh, I, I, there's one thing I can guarantee you all. You will all be exiting your business someday. And the question is, have you thought about it? And do you have a plan for your transition as you do a plan for your business, strategic plan for your business? And not a single hand went up. Um, and I knew who around the table had been thinking about it because I had been in conversations with them, but there was no structure for it. There was no um, framework for doing that kind of thinking, both personally and the implications for the business. And I think what you're really providing uh, my members as you meet with them, what you're providing in your workshop is that that structure, that framework, the kinds of questions that we all need to be asking as we're thinking about the transition we want to make someday uh, in our business. So, uh, so that's the quote. One thing that I is, can guarantee that is, is special. All, yeah, no, it's <laughs> Thank really you great for for sharing that back. It's amazing yeah. when someone is quoting you back to you. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm serious. I, 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 I have one of the questions I ask uh, prospective members uh, in the selection interview is, um, I love to ask them so. What do you plan to be doing in 5, 10, 15 years? It is amazing how frequently there's a long pause and someone will say, you know, I've never even thought about that. Um, that we're all so busy in our day to day that I've never stopped to think about where do I want to be? And so it's a, they really appreciate the question. And that allows me then to launch into how that is part of what we discuss. And here's why that's important for you. Here's why it's important for your business. And guess what? Unless you're starting to think about that stuff, your business isn't going to grow. So it's a kind of it's a little bit of a stretch because everyone's thinking, what's my sales and marketing plan? Well, that's important too. But guess what? Growing your business requires you to be thinking about how you get out of the business, how you extricate yourself as the CEO from the business. And uh, like we used to say to my old boss, I said, you know, when if we can get you on the golf course two or three days a week, we know things are going right. And, and the response was, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, it's not because he wanted to play more golf, which he did, but it was really because that meant we he 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 could back away and um and things were running really well and guess what his mind started thinking thinking about what's next so that was his reflection time is on the golf course about what's next where do i want to take this this business and if he's busy dealing with issues 
He's not thinking about that stuff or she's not thinking about that stuff. And that's the role of the CEO. It's the unique role of the CEO. And no one else has the responsibility responsibility to do that. Others can also do it and you can engage with them around it. But the only one who has the responsibility to be thinking about where's this business going is the CEO. And um, but you got to make time. You do. You do have to make the time. Thank yeah. you for making the time. And thank oh, you for thank being you. with me today. If people want to reach out and get in touch with you to learn more, what's a good way to do that? So my email, um, rick.vanessa at vistachair.com um, would probably be the best way to reach me. Great. And I'll also include some links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Rick, thank you so much for being with me today on Succession Stories. It's an, always an honor to talk with you. And I want to say thank you so much to our listeners. Please make sure to hit subscribe wherever you listen. And please leave a rating and review. We really appreciate it. Rick, again, thank you so much for coming on Succession Stories. And we'll be in touch soon. Thanks, Lori. I hope that today's episode resonated with you. What actions will you take as a result? If you want to grow, sell, or transition your business, our strategic transition planning process provides clarity and objectivity on the big questions that may be weighing on your mind. Make an intention and take the next step. Set up a complimentary consultation with me to discuss your goals at thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com. That's thebusinesstransitionsherpa.com.